Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. When I became an adult in the world of hockey, the narrative changed from, you're a girl, you're pretty good, but we don't want you, to, now what are we going to do with you? Haley Wickenheiser. The fluorescent glare over the 1998 Women's Olympic Hockey Medal Ceremony was the last time Wickenheiser's silver medal would see the light of day. She didn't display it proudly in her trophy case. She didn't pull it out to show friends and family. After the closing ceremonies, she never once hung it around her neck. For Wickenheiser, it was too heavy. She said she became incapable of separating her failure on the ice with her worthiness as a human, as a hockey player, as a female hockey player. When she won, she was successful. When she lost, she became lost. Back home in Calgary, she sank into a deep depression. She'd survived the initial blunt force of the trauma, but now she was sitting alone for the first time and she didn't like the company. She thought back over her career to date, 
when we Wickenheiser was rejected from teams, when she was name-called by overzealous, overreaching, overbearing parents, when she was bruised and battered and alone, she knew where to go. The backyard rink. So, she channeled her younger self, determined Wickenheiser threw her whole being back into training. She figured if she worked harder than ever before, she wouldn't have time to think or feel. If she worked harder than ever before, they wouldn't lose again. Shortly after her return to Calgary, Wickenheiser got a phone call. It was one Bobby Clark, the Hall of Famer who played his entire 15-year career with the Philadelphia Flyers, six of those as captain. Now he was the team's general manager. Clark had also just returned from Nagano, Japan, where he was acting GM of the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team. He watched his boys lose the bronze medal game to Finland, but he'd also watched the women win their way to the finals. He watched Wickenheiser score two goals and six assists at her very first Olympic Games. So he called to invite her down to the Flyers training camp. She was the same age as his rookies, 19. While there was no wiggle room on female players joining an NHL roster, the chance to train under NHL coaches to learn from NHL players was invaluable. Frankly, she'd dreamed of playing in the NHL since she laced her very first skates. The heartbreaking truth was this was the closest she was going to get. So, while many of her Canadian teammates took that post-Olympic spring to rest and regroup, Wickenheiser couldn't get to Philly fast enough. The Philadelphia Flyers practiced three times a day. Twice on the ice, once in the weight room. Wickenheiser says every morning she'd get up at 6 a.m. and her head didn't touch the pillow again until she collapsed into it at 8 p.m. The only woman amongst dozens of men. Men twice her size. But she didn't care. She bandaged her cuts, iced her bruises, and basked in every second of it all. She used this time like it was military training. The Olympic Games were war, and she refused to wade back in unprepared. Wickenheiser knew by the time she got home, she'd have a marked physical advantage over her opponents and a wealth of training knowledge to bring to her teammates. Following her time with the Flyers, Wickenheiser returned to Calgary, She'd moved out of her parents' house, and money was tight. The reality of being a Canadian amateur athlete, much less a female Canadian amateur athlete, was becoming clearer by the day. At that time, the country's athletes could earn between fifty dollars and $80,000 per Olympic year. On the higher end of that spectrum, if they boarded the plane home with gold medals. But between Olympic years... The salary topped out at $18,000. Tricky, considering those quote-unquote off years required extensive training time, sometimes six to eight hours per day leading up to the games. The situation was dire. Wickenheiser said sometimes they even had to pay for their own ice time. 
she needed to find a way to make ends meet. The prospect of saving for retirement was out of the question, and most hockey players retire before 30, meaning a long second career was ahead of her. But for now, rent was due. She started speaking at elementary and high schools. Public speaking wasn't in the realm of her comfort zone, though she figured it accomplished two things. One, it earned her a little bit of money. And two, it spread awareness to young girls and young boys about women's hockey. Wickenheiser also began coaching at hockey camps. Then she joined a club team, the Calgary Oval Extreme. Six months had passed since she returned from Nagano. As she tells the story in her book, Over the Boards, Lessons from the Ice, her shame surrounding Canada's Olympic loss was at the forefront of every practice, every shot, every deke. She figured she had failed, but the best she could do was fail forward. If she worked hard enough, played hard enough, she could spin that failure into gold. Canada certainly thought so. The federal government set up a national summit aimed at restoring Canada's supremacy on the ice for the following Olympic year. Then one day, during practice at the Calgary Oval, her coach took her aside, and he handed her a small piece of paper. When she unfolded it, handwritten was one sentence. It simply read, Dear Haley, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Wickenheiser said that message hit her like a ton of bricks. He was right. She had convinced herself that all the scars from battling her way into the sport would disappear when she stepped to the top of the podium. That the systemic barriers designed to keep her out would vanish into thin air and she'd be welcomed in with open arms that the broom closet where she'd locked away her self-worth would burst open after all those years. She says her coach was offering gentle wisdom, but he was also sounding an alarm. If all she cared about in life was a gold medal around her neck, she was going to miss out on everything else the world had to offer. It wasn't until later Wickenheiser found out that quote came from John Candy in Cool Runnings. Another coach leveling with an athlete who had the Winter Olympics odds stacked against them. The 2002 Winter Olympics were set to be held in Salt Lake City, Utah. Since the Americans clinched the gold four years prior, Wickenheiser says doors and checkbooks flung open for Team USA. And for the past four years, they trained with the best of the best. Team Canada, on the other hand, only had the funding to get together for six months leading up to the Games. There was also another glaring factor at play. This would be the first Olympics since 9-11, and the Games were on U.S. soil. Patriotism, emotions, and expectations for American golds were high. Team Canada practiced eight hours a day, six days a week, in a grueling boot camp. Their coach worried about the elevation in Salt Lake City, which is much higher than most American cities. 
So the team practiced sprints while depriving their bodies of oxygen to prepare their systems for high performance despite the low levels. The pre-Olympic tour began, and Team USA beat Team Canada. Then they beat them again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Team Canada lost eight straight preliminary games against the U.S., outscored 31-13. to And with that humiliation, the Canadian Olympic teams boarded a plane headed two hours due south to Salt Lake City, Utah. One thing Team Canada learned from its first Olympics in 1998 was that sequestration at the Games wasn't as productive as it sounded. This time, the athletes were permitted, nay, encouraged, to take their eyes off the prize from time to time. They were welcome to spend time with their families, explore the village, take in other competitions. Then the round robin began. First, Team Canada beat Kazakhstan 7-0. Wickenheiser scored two goals. Then, they beat Russia 7-0 again. Wickenheiser with one goal, two assists. Then, they beat Sweden 11-0. One point by Wickenheiser. Then came the semifinals against Finland. Canada scored two goals in the first period, then found themselves down 3-2 after the second. Wickenheiser says they were struggling. But in the third, Team Canada came from behind and scored five unanswered goals, bringing the final score to 7-3. Wickenheiser with two points on the board. Team Canada won the first four games in the round robin by a margin of 25 to nothing, leading them straight to the final against their arch rivals, the Americans. In the days leading up to the final, Wickenheiser was a mess. She was right back where she was four years ago, nervous and racked with self-doubt. When she wasn't sitting, thinking, waiting, she was doing interviews, dodging questions like, after losing so many games against the States, do you still think you have a shot at beating Team USA? Then Wickenheiser heard a rumor. Word around the Olympic Village was that located on the floor of Team USA's dressing room was a Canadian flag. And before each game, the American players would each take turns stomping on said flag in a moment of rah-rah patriotism. Now, this rumor is just that, a rumor. It has never been proven. In fact, it's been vehemently denied by Team USA's captain. But fact or fiction, this information made its way to Team Canada's dressing room. Wickenheiser stepped into the E-Center arena for the gold medal game. And as she looked up to find her family in the crowd, she noticed directly across from Team Canada's bench was a row of American flags. Wickenheiser smiled. And she slid onto the ice. 
Wickenheiser says the ice at the arena that day was a battlefield. But as the teams lined up for the face-off, she looked into her opponent's eyes. And despite 35 consecutive exhibition wins and a defending title, she didn't see steely confidence. She saw pressure. The same pressure that oozed from Team Canada four years ago. The kind of pressure that made 35 wins and a defending title theirs to lose. One minute, 45 seconds into the game, Team Canada scored, rattling Team USA. The first period ended 1-0 Canada. They were feeling good. Then come the second. Wickenheiser says things started to shift. One, then two, then three, then four consecutive penalties were called on Team Canada. It was shocking refereeing. The U.S. scored, tying up the game 1-1. Wickenheiser says she could feel it all slipping away. Team USA's power play was white-hot. She could see herself standing on the podium again, looking up at the Americans, biting her lip and bowing her head as the Olympic officials draped the wrong-colored medal over her neck. The Americans were stomping on their dreams a second time. Then something unexpected happened. The U.S. had nine straight power plays, but they weren't scoring. Wickenheiser realized she couldn't control the referees or the other team, but she could control her defense. A wave of calm washed over her. Meanwhile, she felt panic emanate off the Americans. Wickenheiser scored in the second period, bringing the game to 2-1. Then, with one second left in the second, Team Canada scored again, closing out the period 3-1. By the start of the third, Canada's small but mighty crowd was roaring. They were 20 minutes from the gold. Team Canada felt a jolt of energy, and Wickenheiser says for the first time in a long time, they started believing in themselves. Sixteen minutes passed without a goal on either net. Then, with three minutes, 33 seconds left in the game, Team USA scored 3-2. The clock was ticking down, ten seconds left, five seconds left. Then, the best sound Wickenheiser's ears had ever heard. The buzzer. The game was over. 3-2, Canada. Despite losing eight consecutive games against the U.S., despite only six months of practice time as a team, despite what would be 13 total penalties and nearly half the game in the box... Canada took home its first Olympic gold medal in hockey in 50 years. Wickenheiser was the first player off the ice that evening. And as she pushed open the dressing room door, two men were standing inside. One Kevin Lowe and one Mr. Wayne Gretzky. They were team managers for the men's Olympic team, who, by the way, was three days away from their own championship showdown against the Americans. 
Wickenheiser couldn't believe her corneas. These were her heroes, Edmonton Oilers in the flesh, congratulating her and telling her what a phenomenal game of hockey she played. Somewhere in her corduroy easy chair, Haley Wickenheiser's inner child was screaming. Wickenheiser was the leading scorer of the tournament with seven goals, three assists. And as O Canada blared through the stadium speakers, the right colored medal was draped over her neck. Gold. And Haley Wickenheiser was named MVP. In a post-game interview with the CBC, Wickenheiser said, I hear they had our flag on their dressing room floor. I wonder if they'd like us to sign it. Three days later, the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team clinched a victory against Team USA 5-2. And both Canada's women's and men's hockey teams boarded a plane headed back to the birthplace of the game. Champions. We'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
By summer 2002, Wickenheiser had two Olympic medals and four world championships under her belt. At just 24, she was the most valuable player of the best hockey team in the world. That fact meant she had achieved her career goals. And that fact scared her to death. By all accounts, she had peaked. And that was both exciting and depressing. Mainly because, if she were a man, she'd be in the NHL now, playing regular seasons. All she could do was return to her club team, which only practiced a couple times a week. She wanted to practice seven days a week, to play in games, tournaments, championships, day in and day out. Plus, she still had growing to do. Wickenheiser had been playing like a bull for a decade, forceful and commanding. Now she wanted to be a spider, agile, intelligent, and unpredictable. And barring the NHL, there was only one place a successful Olympic gold medal winning hockey player could think of to play professional hockey. Men's Pro League in Europe. People from all angles told Wickenheiser her plan was insane. TSN called it far-fetched. Wickenheiser's teammates expressed skepticism. And even her mother said she just couldn't understand why this was a necessary move. And while moving to Europe to play in a men's league scared Wickenheiser, it didn't scare her as much as the prospect of stagnating in Calgary, hanging out at the Oval until the next Olympics. She needed action. Wickenheiser lined up a deal with an Italian men's pro team, the Murano Eagles. She negotiated a respectable salary, one where she could actually earn a living as a professional hockey player. Wickenheiser packed her gear into the trunk and began her drive to the airport when her cell phone rang. The Italian Federation passed a rule that no woman was permitted to play in their Series A. Just now, as she was heading to the airport, the new rule would officially take effect. Wickenheiser had seen this film before, and she didn't like the ending. The Italian Federation refused to sign the final paperwork allowing her a spot on the roster. Instead, the president of the league called Wickenheiser's attempt to join the team a publicity stunt. Wickenheiser was livid. It brought her right back to her midget AAA team rejection. She said the boys become men, but the behavior doesn't change. Wickenheiser was the best female hockey player in the world. She didn't need publicity. She needed to play. A German team expressed some interest in recruiting her, but she didn't feel it was the right fit. Instead, she signed with Finland in its men's third division, third line, and she boarded a plane. When Wickenheiser arrived in Finland, the air was very, very cold. One player echoed Italy's publicity stunt comments. Another said he simply didn't think it was a good idea to have a woman on the men's team. And yet another said when he heard she was coming, he just laughed and laughed. 
Hockey Finland feared giving ice time to a woman would make their hockey look less than. So pressure was placed upon the coach not to give Wickenheiser any minutes. At her first practice, Wickenheiser's new coach assigned a six-foot defenseman to, quote, hound her all day. He'd pound her into the ice over and over and over again. It wasn't until two weeks straight of checks and hits that the coach called off the hunt. He told Wickenheiser he wanted the media to see she could handle a beating. A few games in, Wickenheiser took a stick to the nose. She said the crack was so loud, it echoed across the arena. She was exhausted, run down at every practice, attacked by the press, belittled by her own teammates. It was a breaking point, quite literally. She knew if she cried, the media would call her weak. Her teammates would say it's because she's a girl. The fans would say she couldn't take the heat. So she buried her face in a bloody towel and wept silently. A few nights later, with two black eyes and a bump on her nose that would never quite go away, Wickenheiser scored her first European goal in front of 1,200 screaming Finns, making her the first woman to score in the European Men's Pro Hockey League. She said for a moment she forgot all about her pain. She didn't have to come to Finland, that she came because she wanted to become a better hockey player, and no one would stand between her and her goals. One of the owners of the club said, well, she's shooting better than most of the guys, so that's a good sign. Soon, Wickenheiser's team was set to play their rivals, and ahead of the game, that team's head coach told reporters that he'd, quote, brought up a pair of goons to knock the daylights out of Wickenheiser. Honestly, she said she was okay with that. Making her change with the cheerleaders, on the other hand, that crossed a line. Wickenheiser's team won that night, and Wickenheiser was named player of the game. In her first Finnish season, she played 20 games, averaging half a point a night. One TSN host adding, that's not a publicity stunt. That's a player that fits in and can contribute. By the end of the season, the team moved up a division. But Wickenheiser says it was then that the Federation cracked down on her ice time. Come her second season, she played only a handful of games. The rest, she watched from the bench. Wickenheiser would eventually return to Calgary, In spite of it all, she says those two seasons she played in Finland were some of the best of her hockey career. She returned home a better athlete. Over the next decade, Wickenheiser's arachnid agility led her to a string of gold medals on the world stage. The 2006 Winter Olympics were held in Torino, Italy, and Team Canada took home the gold medal, Wickenheiser's second gold and her second MVP title. The following year, Wickenheiser was named team captain of Team Canada. In 2007, Team Canada beat the U.S. 5-1 at the World Championships, 
and Wickenheiser set the record for most points scored at a Women's World Hockey Championship with eight goals, six assists. She was named MVP. In 2010, the Winter Olympics took place in Vancouver, Canada, home turf. With two consecutive Olympic golds under their belt, Team Canada felt the pressure. But once again, they clinched the gold medal. In 2012, Canada beat the USA in the World Championships yet again, bringing home another gold for Wickenheiser. But following that win, Team Canada was playing a practice game when a slap shot from a teammate clipped the top of Wickenheiser's left foot right at the laces, the only part of a skate without padding. The pain was horrific and a CT scan revealed she'd fractured a major load-bearing bone, one that impacts speed, direction, and push-off. She needed surgery, and to stay off her foot to allow it to heal. But the 2014 Olympics were coming up. Sochi. Wickenheiser decided she didn't have the time to rest. She told no one outside the team she would push her surgery until after Sochi. They were three-time gold medalists. The whole world was coming for their crown. Wickenheiser would have to push herself harder than ever before. Rehab would have to wait. In January of 2014, at a press conference in Ottawa, it was announced that at the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, Haley Wickenheiser would be Canada's flag bearer. At the opening ceremonies that February, Wickenheiser's fifth Olympic Games representing Team Canada in women's hockey, she clutched that flagpole with her red and white mittens, waving the maple leaf proudly around the fished Olympic Stadium. Host of CBC's Sports Weekend Scott Russell said, It's clear why she was selected. She has the most distinguished career of any athlete in her sport. What the world didn't know was that Wickenheiser walked around that stadium on broken bones. She said it felt okay in skates. In shoes, the pain was awful. Canada beat Switzerland 5-0. Wickenheiser with one goal. Next, they beat Finland 3-0. And with that, they were off to the semifinals. Between games, Wickenheiser made her way around the Olympic Village in a boot or a scooter. In the semis, Canada played Switzerland again, winning 3-1. Wickenheiser with an assist. And soon, it was another North American showdown. When the puck dropped, the Americans took control. Wickenheiser says they were dominating, defending better, forechecking better, moving across the ice as a unit. Team Canada, on the other hand, was all over the place. Wickenheiser said it was ugly hockey. The first period closed nil-nil. Then the U.S. scored twice, 2-0. The third period seemed to go by in a flash. They were still down 2-0. Then, with three minutes, 26 seconds left in the game, Wickenheiser says Team Canada sliced through the American defense, firing a fluttering, harmless-looking shot. 
It was soaring several feet wide of the goal, then, at the last second, bounced off an American knee pad and straight into the back of the net. In that moment, a wave of stillness washed over the Canadian bench. Wickenheiser says you could have rested a plank across them. Then, with just 56 seconds left on the clock, Canada scored again. 2-2. And the clock ran out. They were headed into overtime. Six minutes into OT, Canada drew a penalty. Then the U.S. drew a penalty. Then Wickenheiser drew another, clinching Canada a power play. And eight minutes, ten seconds into OT, Canada took a shot on the American goal. It went in. In a come-from-behind win, Canada beat the U.S. 3-2 in overtime, earning Haley Wickenheiser her fourth Olympic gold medal. Wickenheiser couldn't believe it. To be down 2-0, then tie it up in the last three and a half minutes, she said it was the most spectacular and improbable win in Olympic hockey history. She tied for most points scored across the tournament, on her broken foot. What Wickenheiser didn't know was that it would be the last Olympic game of her career. Wickenheiser's foot injury would ultimately bring her hockey career to a close. In 2017, she announced her retirement from the game at age 39. Later that same year, she began her second career, enrolling at the University of Calgary's medical school, the now veteran hockey player embarking on a new kind of rookie season. She said medicine is a team sport, one where you're always failing forward, and she has some experience in that department. The following year, Wickenheiser got a call from the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, Kyle Dubas. He offered Wickenheiser a job as assistant director of player development. It was a dream job and a full-time job on top of medical school. Juggling the two worlds would be a Herculean task, but Wickenheiser was all in. In 2021, Wickenheiser was promoted to Senior Director of Player Development with the Leafs. Later that year, she graduated from medical school. In 2022, she began her residency at the University of Toronto's Department of Family and Community Medicine. And that same year, the little girl cut from teams, bullied by parents, players, and the media who was beat up on the ice, forced to change in bathroom stalls and sleep in broom closets, told hockey was for boys only, laughed at, and called a publicity stunt, and yet went on to become a six-time Olympian, four-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympic MVP, seven-time world champion, and retired all-time scorer in Canadian women's hockey history was named Assistant General Manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, the greatest female hockey player in history, 
and one of the greatest hockey players of all time. First, they think of every reason to ignore you. They tell you you're too small, too inexperienced, too young, too different. Then they resort to humiliation. They heckle you. They tell you you're not worthy, not good enough. You have no right to be there. But for Haley Wickenheiser, it went even deeper. She wasn't just ignored and humiliated. She was subjected to physical beatdowns. She became a target, a lone woman in a men's league. Huge defensemen were assigned to pound her into the ice. Rival coaches brought up goons just to knock the daylights out of her. She went home every night black and blue with bruises. Then, on top of it all, Haley Wickenheiser played an entire Olympic hockey series skating on a broken bone. And still won. She won because she had grit. Courage and determination are critical. The ability to drown out the noise around you is essential. But when it's not just your spirit being tested, it's your body being ground down, you have to dig deep. Deeper than you've ever had to dig before. Wickenheiser had to reach down to her very core to survive. And she had to do it while every eyeball was on her, waiting for her to fold, waiting for her to quit, waiting for her to cry. But Wickenheiser had the grit to overcome it all. And that's why she has four Olympic gold medals and retired the highest scorer in Canadian women's hockey history. Haley Wickenheiser had the resolve to get back up and not back down. When she was told over and over again that girls don't skate and girls don't play hockey, she had one response. Watch me. Never, ever give up. Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, Canada's all-time leader in women's hockey. Goals, 168. Assists, 211. Points, 379. Longest-serving member of Canada's national team, 23 years. Named Officer of the Order of Canada, 2011. Inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, 2019. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in our Airstream mobile recording studio. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Our director is Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. We do not regret to inform you the tunes in this series are provided by APM Music. The major source for this episode is Over the Boards, Lessons from the Ice by Haley Wickenheiser. 
All other sources are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like Rejecting Dr. Mae Jemison from Season 2. Dr. Jemison was the first woman of color to ever fly in outer space, a remarkable and historical achievement in a male-dominated field. Her story is out of this world. Follow our network on social at apostrophe pod. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I'm being completely honest now, okay? Homelessness makes me uncomfortable. But then I think, at least it's not sleeping on the sidewalk with everything I own uncomfortable. Don't let homelessness assumptions get in the way of homelessness solutions. Go to canadacandoit.ca. Help the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness.